Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You need to take care of yourself, absolutely. But the best way to take care of yourself is to have a good, healthy relationship with God, first and foremost. Okay? So you get filled up. And so you get filled up so that you can minister to others, and that's that horizontal, that's that loving your neighbor. But you can't love your neighbor all that well if this vertical relationship is not happening. You can for a little bit. But it won't last because the cup is empty and what can you can't give out what you're not taking in yourself. Infomercials have flooded the TV for years with products that promise to bring you happiness, success, and well-being for just five easy payments of you get the picture. But as Pastor James shares, these products, as well as everything else in the world, fall short on that promise because God is the only source of true completeness. In order to become the best you, you need to focus on the one who created and designed you. And in the process, you'll find your place and purpose in this world. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 12, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We have this thing like um, all churches would do uh, if you have like a, a mission and a purpose and all that fun stuff, which I've never even written one down for us. Um, I know that makes me a bad church planner, whatever. Um, okay, I am, I guess. But if there was anything, if I were to write something down, it'd be like we want that vertical or that upward, inward, and outward kind of a thing is what we'd want to see happening with you guys right? The upward, meaning a relationship, a personal relationship between you and God that's active and that's, and that's healthy and that's growing. Because without this, that inward aspect of that thing is not happening. It's not happening. And you can forget any horizontal or outward outflow of, of this thing. Because if this is broken, Whatever you are doing that's horizontal, quote unquote, that's loving your neighbor, it's not going to last long. It will not last long. Why? Because it's in your own strength. It's in your own strength. It won't last. I know that. Because I've tried to do this, the horizontal part, without this being strong. It doesn't last. It doesn't last. So it's kind of like that cup illustration where it's like the vertical aspect illustrates like you're the vessel and that vertical aspect of it is you being filled up, right? And so you benefit from this vertical because you are being filled up, right? So that's your you time. That's your me time, right? Like you need that. Yes, you need to take care of yourself. Absolutely. But the best way to take care of yourself is to have a good, healthy relationship with God, first and foremost, Okay, so you get filled up. So you get filled up so that you can minister to others, and that's that horizontal, that's that loving your neighbor. But you can't love your neighbor all that well if this vertical relationship is not happening. You can for a little bit, but it won't last because the cup is empty, and what can you can't give out what you're not taking in yourself. So you got to love the Lord your God with every aspect of your being. That's the vertical. You ha- that has to be there has to be there. 
And what's equally as important as what he says in um, verse 31, the second is equally important. You love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment, no commandment is greater than these. He's like, you want the best? I'll give you two. Let's start off with this, the great Shema. You got to know who God is. You got to know who he is. And then when you know who he is, you got to love him with all aspects of your being. And when you're doing that, you got to love other people, your neighbors. That means everybody. Everyone who is not you is your neighbor, okay? <laughs> like, does that define it for you enough? That's, that's who he's talking about. Wait, but what about the people I don't agree with? Love them. What about the people I don't like? Love them. You got to love them. This is not optional. Christianity is not a thing of options when it comes to absolute surrender, right? You don't get to check things off of like, okay, I'm going to subscribe to God, right? So, um, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to opt out of these things. That's not how it works. You don't get to opt out of loving, well, I'll love these neighbors because these neighbors I like. That's easy. But I don't know, I'm not going to love these. I can't love these guys. We're not even on the same page morally, ethically. I don't, there's no fine print in my Bible. There's none. It, it seems to say what it says. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you could be a crazy person and think like, well, then I'll just stop loving myself. Well, you're a liar, um, okay, because we all love ourselves. That's not an issue. That's not a problem at all, right? And this isn't like this thing of like, Jesus says, you know, to lay down your life and all that. What he's talking about is, you know, laying down your life. That's talking about something totally different. We love ourselves because, well, number one, we clothe ourselves. Thank you for doing that this morning, by the way. You clothe yourself. Praise God for that. Um, you probably fed yourself. You took care of all of your needs, right? Jesus is simply saying, just do that for other people. Do that for other people. Love the Lord your God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. You take care of your needs. Take care of the needs of other people. It's not complicated. It's not hard. Well, I mean, it is hard. Let's be honest. Um, that's, that commandment there is actually from Leviticus. So you're like, what good could come from Leviticus? Well, if you haven't been on Thursday nights, um, well, we just talked about bodily discharges last week. You missed it. It was beautiful. It was an amazing, intimate, over, I mean, the spirit was moved. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, not that he can't move through Leviticus, but we're, we are actually going to be covering Leviticus chapter 19 pretty soon. That's where this command comes from, Leviticus 19, verse 18, to love your neighbor. I want to read you guys this list from, uh, from Leviticus 19, actually, to help us to, maybe to help us to understand a little bit what he's talking about, because there's a lot of confusion in the church, I think, concerning what does it mean to love your neighbor, right? This is the big confusion in our world today, especially thank you, social media, and giving a platform for people who don't really need platforms at all, um, who think they're experts on biblical stuff, and they're not, and they're not, okay? What does it mean from the scriptures to love your neighbor? Now, he quotes from Leviticus, Leviticus 19, so it would make sense, logically, to go to Leviticus 
and see what he says. So let me just read you these, this list of characteristics or this list of um, how to demonstrate love to your neighbor found in Leviticus chapter 19. You care for the poor. Care for the poor. You know of somebody who is in need and you have the ability to help them and to meet their needs, then do that. Why? Because that's what loving your neighbor looks like. And, and by the way, this list is going to be all action-oriented, and it is not emotional or anything like that. So check your emotions at the door. This is all action stuff. The other one is this. You love your neighbor by not stealing from your neighbor. <laughs> You're like, duh, yeah, don't take from your neighbor. That's a practical way of loving your neighbor, right? It's very simple. The other, way, other thing is, do not lie to your neighbor. Be fair in business dealings. That's Leviticus 19, verse 14. Be fair. If you have a, a business arrangement set up between you and your neighbor, honor that. Kind of goes back to that not stealing from them. In the same verse there, in verse 14, it says, care for the deaf. That's loving your neighbor. Care for the deaf. And that's one that's like, I don't know why, but this is one like for the past few years, the Lord has put on my heart. Like, how can I do that as a church? We don't have anybody who's deaf who comes to this church. But what if they show up? I can't minister to them. I need a remedy for that. I don't know why the Lord is, actually, I do know why, because I was at Starbucks one day. I don't like Starbucks at all, but I was at Starbucks one day getting a coffee, and the person in front of me was deaf. But the person who was taking their order knew sign language and was able to communicate with them. And I was like, I need to learn sign language. I need to learn sign language. Why? Because that's loving my neighbor. Because that would be loving my neighbor. Care for the blind. Same verse, verse 14. Care for the blind. That's loving your neighbor. You, you will also see that within this list, these are the very ones that Jesus went after, and he healed a lot of these people, okay? Deal justly with all. That's Leviticus 19, verse 15. Deal justly with all. Do not discriminate. Deal justly with everyone. Verse 16 of that same chapter says, to avoid slander. So how do you love your neighbor? You avoid, do not slander them. Do not slander them. Do not slander their name. Do not jeopardize the life of your neighbor. That is loving your neighbor. Do not put them in harm's way, okay? So if you're frying that turkey for Thanksgiving, please make sure you are being mindful of your neighbor's house and not catching that thing on fire or doing anything else. Fireworks, that just happened last week, right? Don't jeopardize the life of your neighbor. Think about them. The last two are this. Uh, do not harbor hatred toward or against your brother. That's how you love your neighbor as well. Don't hate them. Do not hate them. And then the other, actually, there's, there's two more. My bad. The other two are this. Here's, here's one that we do not, you will not see mentioned at all in loving your neighbor. Rebuke your neighbor when necessary for his and your good. Oh, where are those posts at? Where are those, where is the post about accountability? Because holding people accountable is loving your neighbor. Not a lot of posts about that. There's a lot of confusion out there concerning what it means to love your neighbor. 
when the Bible simply says, practically loving your neighbor is, is taking care of people. But it's also speaking truth in love. Truth in love. So if your neighbor is caught up in some sin and you're aware of it and you don't speak truth and love to them, you're not loving them. Biblically, that's not love. No, 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 that's love. That's love. I just, that's not. It's actually not. Love, see, somebody may be in a harmful situation where that could be damaging to them and steps in and says, hey, you can't do that in a loving way. That's love. That's, that's love. That's hard, but that's love. Accountability is love. But you will not see those posts. You won't. Because we just want to let everybody do whatever they want to do and que sera, sera, you know, whatever, whatever you no, that's a biblical thing, and it's a biblical thing if I just, like, turn, turn an, a blind eye to it. That's biblical? I, ha- I don't see that in the Scriptures at all. At all. So if I see somebody that I care about, and, it's, and they, especially if they claim to be a Christian, and they blatantly go against what the Word says, what the world might deem as love by me not saying anything is actually contrary to what the Bible says. And I don't live by the world's standards. I live by God's standards. And the loving thing to do would be to come along somebody, beside somebody and say, hey, look, this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. And you're not like hitting them with it. You're not like, no, you just out of love, out of compassion, you come alongside them. You show them like, this is what the word, you, you claim to follow this book, but this is what it says, and you're not doing what it says. And this isn't that thing, because we, we get really squirrely in these types of things, because we're like, no, you can't judge me and all that good stuff. Look, if we're claiming to be Christians and following Christ, and you do that, and you're living a lifestyle that's contrary to what the Bible says, there has to be accountability. I mean, there has to be. What, what do you think you signed up for? Christianity is not this thing where it's like carte blanche, like you can just do whatever you want to do. Because the first and greatest commandment is you love the Lord your God with everything you have, with your whole being. So I surrender everything to him, everything to him. These are hard subject matters, right? Right? This is hard stuff. I'm not saying it's easy. But you want to know what real love is. This is what real love is. And I welcome real love into my life. I know my wife appreciates real, true love. I appreciate it from her. Absolutely. If I'm doing something that is damaging to our relationship and I'm unaware of it, I want her to tell me. As much as it may hurt, I have to know. So I can write that. So I can make an adjustment, a correction. Because if it's damaging without me, with me being ignorant of it, and then if it's allowed to continue, then it's just going to continue to damage the relationship. 
Real love, true love is, man, it's willing to have hard conversations with people that you actually love and care about. And that's, that's, that's what real love is. That's what loving your neighbor actually means. The last little one from Leviticus 19 says this, do not take revenge or bear a grudge against each other. You want to know how to love your neighbor? Don't hold a grudge against them. Don't hold a grudge against them. But you don't know what they did. They wronged me. You got to let it go. You have to let it go. But that's not right. I'm not saying you let them continue to walk all over you. But if somebody's wronged you, you have to let that go. You have to. You're not hurting them at all. We've talked about this before. You are doing nothing to them. The only thing, the only thing you're doing is you're really just killing yourself. You have to let it go. And better than just like letting it go into the, you know, into the atmosphere or whatever, you, you let it go by put it, placing it at Jesus' feet. You cast your cares onto him, 1 Peter 5, 7. You cast your cares onto him. Why? Because he cares about you. He said, Jesus, this person wronged me. They hurt me. Give it to him. Give it to him. Don't hold a grudge. Don't hold a grudge. So from Leviticus 19, where Jesus quoted that verse, that, that's the context of how to love your neighbor. That's how we love. That's how we demonstrate love toward, towards our neighbors. And Jesus answered that guy with those, and just simple, it's beautiful, and there's the vertical, you know, your relationship between God, that's got to be good and healthy, and then that will overflow into your relationships to other people. The more you're falling in love with God and growing in that relationship, guess what? You're going to find it harder to steal from people, okay? You're right? You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because you don't want to steal from them. It's going to be harder to hold grudges. It's going to be harder to not speak the truth to them in love. That vertical relationship is the, it's primary. It is the most important relationship in your life, in your life. Been married for 21 years. This vertical relationship between me and God is the most important relationship in my life. And that's no, that's no slight to my, my beautiful bride of 21 years. In fact, she says, I, I, she wants me to have that vertical relationship because she understands the overflow. My kids, they want me to have this vertical relationship with God because they feel the effects of the overflow. You want me to have that vertical relationship because you feel the effects of the overflow. I want you to have that vertical relationship with him because then you'll see the fruit of the overflow. I mean, that's just how it is. It's the utmost importance. And Jesus says this to this guy and this religious leader, verse 32, just to wrap it all up, says this. He says, uh, well said. He's like, wow, wow. This is a lawyer. This is a guy who is an expert in the law. And he probably has his own thoughts on what the greatest one was and all that good stuff. But when Jesus said those two things, he said, well said, wow. Wow. He is in awe of Jesus. Well said, rabbi. Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. 
And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than, uh, than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. To obey is better than sacrifice. He's like, well, amen, Jesus. Amen. I mean, he, this guy was blown away by Jesus' wisdom in his reply. And Jesus, verse 34, says, realizing how much the man understood, Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God, meaning you're on the right track, buddy. You're close. Work harder. You're close. No, he didn't say that. He says, you're, you're not far. You're not far at all. And after that, no one dared ask him, that's Jesus, any more questions. Everybody was like, why are we even trying? We couldn't get him with this. We couldn't get him with that and this. And then this guy just asked him this one question that we didn't even think of. And, and probably they didn't probably care too much to, think, to know what Jesus even thought about that, except for this one guy. And he asked the question, and then he was blown away by Jesus' response. And Jesus, in his response back to him, was letting him know that relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. And real religion, because religion is not bad, real religion, we know that from the book of James, real true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. So religion is a good thing. It gets bad when you try to use it to get you to heaven, because that's not going to work, right? Real religion is a matter of the heart. Is what Jesus is telling this guy. He says, you're not, you're not far. You're getting it. It was, it was making its way into this guy's heart, this understanding of like, oh, so it's not about the sacrifices. It's not about the deeds. It's not about the doing. It's about the, what's, for him, what's about to be done. This guy, we don't know, more than likely shows up again in the book of Acts as one of the guys who gets saved. I mean, he was already kind of that close. And then maybe he witnessed Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected. I don't know. But Jesus said to him, you're really close, buddy. You're really close. And he definitely was closer than anybody else of all the other religious leaders who were asking him questions. But that's it, guys. That's the, what's the most important commandment? What does love actually look like? Man, love looks like, love looks like Jesus on the cross. That's what love looks like. One man laying down his life for the sake of his enemies, you and I. Love looks like that empty tomb that once housed the body of Jesus for three days but couldn't keep him. Love looks like a man who is actively in heaven right now, constantly praying for you night and day and preparing a place for you until he comes back. And his name is Jesus. Love looks like a guy you're going to meet in heaven one day, I hope and pray. And you're going to notice that there's still scars that remain in his wrist and in his side and in his ankles. Because that's what love looks like. Loving the Lord your God means giving him everything you have. Nobody did that better than Jesus. Loving your neighbor means laying down your life for the sake of others. Nobody did that better than Jesus. And we were his enemies when he did it. Never forget that.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.